and welcome to another episode of Committing to the Bit. I mean, Velvet Owl watches Baywatch Nights so you don't have to. Why? I don't know. Seems like a funny idea at the time. Why didn't someone warn me? I... I only have myself to blame, really. So, uh, this week's episode, episode 9 of season 1, which makes it the ninth episode overall, it's called Blues Boy. And I'm guessing uh, we're going to deal with some white boy blues. Um, wasn't it, there, I think there was a little kid in a couple episodes back that like was playing harmonica or something at the blues club. Might be him, might be him. Um, now, when I say a couple episodes back, I think I recorded it like a couple months ago. <laughs> so I might not remember if it is the same kid or not. But we're going to pretend it is, if it is. I don't know. Someone's a blues boy, and there's a lot of white boy blues in this show, so let's get on with it. Let's get on with the blues. The mac and cheese blues. Hey, this episode guest stars B.B. King, who I'm guessing is the blues boy, because that's what B.B. stands for, blues boy king. Now, I just made that up. I have no fucking idea what the B.B. stands for. I'm sure, like, it's his name. It's, like, Brian Bosworth King or something. It all makes sense now! Brian Bosworth is King! I'm going with that. That is what his name stands for. And that's why you have to go by BB. Because, you know, you don't want to get confused with the other Brian Bosworth. That's my rumor. I'm going with it. So, we've got a flashback at first to, like, 1988. Some foreshadowing. Now, is it foreshadowing? Because it's a flashback. So, yeah, what happens here is supposed to be important. It's not even, like, pretending, like, oh, or something. Um, so there's these two guys, uh, and they're Australian. At least they sound like an Aussie accent. They could be New Zealanders, in which case, then they are fucking pissed off at me for calling them Aussies. It's a thing. Australians and New Zealanders do not like to be referred to by the wrong culture. It's... It is a thing that I learned. It's, uh... I will not go into that story, but trust me! It would be a much more interesting story, right? The story isn't that interesting, but it seems interesting because I won't tell it to you. <laughs> so, but, yes, never confuse Australians and New Zealanders. I have no fucking clue which one this is, so we're going for Australian, because... What, the actor's gonna come down to me? He's probably not even a real Australian. He's probably an American. It's a pretty bad accent. Both of them. They're brothers, and they've got, like, these bad wigs and, like... At least it looks like bad wigs and looks like fake teeth. And they kind of look like if the Geico cavemen learned how to, like, properly, like, shave their faces. That's kind of, like, the, what I think they look like. They're fucking Neanderthals, is what I'm saying. So... You know, is that offensive to call the Geico cavemen cavemen? So are they cavemen or are they Neanderthals? There, there's a difference. See, everything you have to be careful with things these days, and really know what you're talking about. I have no fucking clue what I'm talking about. So they just rob a place, and the one guy he's like, "Oh, the cops are here, so I'll take the money and I'll bring it back to you and split your half with it." and the brother, he's like, hmm, I don't trust you, but, you know, cops are here, so I'm just gonna do what you say, even though, like, he's the older brother, 
I think. Either way, he seems at least the hothead. He seems like he'd be the one in charge. But he's gonna just trust the little brother. Like, hey, yeah. Okay, we'll go with your plan. And so, then we see the younger brother. He's out at the lake on the ocean or something on a boat with his son. Who I think is the blues boy because he's got a guitar. And he strums it. Doesn't play any licks or anything. So, you know, I don't know. I could be wrong. He could be a folk boy or a country boy. Um, Alt-indie boy. I don't think they were around in the 80s, were they? But there's so many kinds of boys he can be. But not boys to men. Because since 88, boys to men wouldn't have come out yet. So he can't possibly be a boys to man cover artist. So I know that for sure. I know for sure. <laughs> there's few things I am sh sure of in life. And one of them is that this kid is not in a boys to men cover band. So, and I think his dad, because he's got a swimsuit, not a swimsuit, a wetsuit, and he goes scuba diving, and I think he's dumping where the money is, because he gives his son, like, some directions. Doesn't tell him, like, what they're for, he's just like, always remember, past the cove, and on the dock, and I don't know, I wasn't paying attention. So, unfortunately, I will never be able to find the treasure, because I'm not good at paying attention. <laughs> to directions of where the fucking treasure is hidden. And then he goes to under the docks where he's to meet his older brother. And the brother's like, okay, where's the money? And he's like, well, I had to dump it into the alleyway, but come with me and we'll get it. He's like, no, you're lying! And he shoots him. Bang, bang, bang! And the younger brother's dead. Unfortunately, his son, with his guitar... Was supposed to just be sitting on the beach practicing his guitar so that one day he could become a very famous blues boy cover artist or a famous boy cement cover artist. I don't know. I don't know what dad was thinking about here for him, but he sees it and. Fuck, I've already forgotten what. Oh, yeah, because I'm trying to remember what like the older brother said to the kid. And he's like, oh, you know, just trust me. You can tell me where the money is, but the kid's silent, and tear drops down his eyes, and it's fucking emotion, man. I think this kid so far has shown the most emotion of anyone on this show. I hope he becomes a regular. Probably not, because it's a flashback, which means now we're going to get the older version of him, who probably doesn't speak. Because he don't speak, don't... Uh, I was trying to think of uh, how that No Doubt song goes. Probably for the best, so I don't get hit with, like, copyright violations. But, you know, maybe he can't speak, can't talk, can't do anything I want. You know, I never thought that I would end up singing that song again on an episode of this podcast. What the fuck? This, this should be... This should be a running joke now in my mind. 
just see how often I can just randomly throw in Danzing's Can't Speak into an episode of my podcast. Now it's however many years later, into the present day, and little kid's all grown up. Not grown up, because we're only talking like a seven year difference, so he's just a teenager. But he has got a badass denim jacket and a rockin' mullet, so kid's doing pretty good for himself. And he's out in the park with an older guy, and they both got guitars, and they're doing just like this generic white boy blues jam off and because this is fiction all the people are like really into it and they're like yeah this is awesome here's some money for being so awesome with your generic blues rock like uh, white boy you know what I, I joke but I think there is a lot of money to be had in the white generic blues rock genre it's you might not become, like, super famous or anything, but it's a steady job. You can just get gigs playing bars to really drunk people. And isn't that really what art is all about? Art is all about, you know, making sure drunk people don't hate you. Yeah, I think that's my <laughs> my personal experience in playing music is that you know, generally, the artist's ultimate goal is to not get thrown shit at. <laughs> to not have drunk people throw shit at you. That is what I'm trying to say. But, you know, they're rocking now, made some money, but, you know, kids gotta go to school, and the older guy, who I guess is his guardian, he's got a gig. Bar mitzvah. <laughs> oh, boy. Dude, those bar mitzvahs are fucking, like, now those are the gigs you want. Seriously, fuck playing bars, fuck playing clubs, bar mitzvahs, where the money's at. Um, and allow me to be a little racist. Do Jews like the blues music? <laughs> I. It's a racist question. I will fully admit it's racist, but I am curious. Do Jew do Jewish people like blues music? Cause. In all honesty, I does anyone like generic white boy blues rock? Sober. That's the key. I don't think there's a single sober person that likes white boy generic blues rock music. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. So, they're getting in the car and when the uncle, he's still around, which, I, I don't know where he's been. Like, I don't know if he got caught and got sent to prison or if he's just been hiding low. Besides, you know, in broad daylight, let me just fucking kidnap the kid. In broad daylight. You know, this is why he wasn't a very good criminal, I think. Like, you know, he let his brother take all the money and now he's trying to kidnap a kid in broad daylight. But, unfortunately, uh, Mr older blues rock guy cause once again this is a fiction he can kick ass and he beats up the uncle long enough for them to get away into a car and he drives off but he knows like oh this is gonna be trouble I don't know why this guy's after the kid so kid hide in the sally way and I'll divert the the bad guy away and they have a little bit of a chase all through wherever through the streets and they get to the end of the dock, or the pier, 
something. I don't know the good technology, the good terminology to use for beachfront property. But they get there, and you know it's the end of the road, and the older guy gets out, and the uncle's there. He's like, "Tell me where the kid is, or I'll kill you." And he kind of the older guy then kind of just well, he's not older than the uncle, so it's he's the guardian rock guy. He kind of gives this look like that says, at least if I were in the position of holding a gun towards him, it looks like he's saying that, hey, I'll fuck you. But the old gunshot, so I don't know if he's shot dead, because now we cut away to David Hasselhoff driving his Lamborghini while wearing his faded brown Adidas bomber jacket, which I seriously want. You know what? At first, I thought it was kind of ridiculous of Adidas to do like, the amount of product placement they've been doing in this show. But nine episodes in, and I so fucking want this Adidas bomber jacket. So, kudos, Adidas. Your product placement has worked. Now, apparently, even though David Hasselhoff rents his office property from Lou Rawls, Lou Rawls is still charging him to pay to park. He's got to pay five bucks if he wants a parking spot. So, Kudos to you, Lou Rawls. If it was an ordinary, like, normal, like, big wig taking advantage of, like, fucking little people, I'd be like, oh, fuck you, and you're charging for parking. But you're charging to half, so go for it. Because, you know, it's, it's humiliating, in my opinion, that they charge parking to go downtown where all the public assistance offices are. So you go to try to get help to say, like, Hey, I don't have money, so I need help. Can you help me to pay my bills and buy food to eat? Well, we'll try to help you with it. Oh, by the way, ten bucks to park. Like, what? That is, like, that is, like, the biggest indignity. Like, fucking parking lots. Like, like, no. You should not have to pay to park. Just... Where am I going with it? Whatever. Like, you shouldn't have to pay to park unless you're David Hasselhoff and you're paying Lou Rawls. That is the one example that I'll allow, like, okay, parking is fine. So, now, Blue's Kid, he decides to hire the David Hasselhoff detective agency because, you know, Dad hasn't come home since last night. And, you know, there was that big scuffle where this guy tried to kidnap me. And, you know, no one thought to, you know, yell for help or anything. Just the dark times of the 90s when people just would not call for help when they see a little kid being kidnapped. And, I don't know, they probably still wouldn't because that is just the culture we live in. But so, you know, Hasselhoff and his crew, they feel like, uh, something's a little off, you know, because, you know, his dad's missing, and mom, she's sick, far away, at her sister's house, which is a bit of a problem, because, you know, to hire the Hasselhoff detective agency, an adult does need to sign a contract. And unfortunately, he's a minor. But, 
You know, they're going to let it slide this time. And he can hire them at the prorated super rebate of one American dollar. I mean, they didn't specify that it was an American dollar, but, you know, if I'm, if I have a detective agency, I am going to specify that I take payment in American currency. No two ways about it. I will not budge on that. Fuck you Canadians and your Canadian pennies. Which, how have they not been, like, completely absolved out of existence? Canadians have gotten rid of pennies long ago, because they're smart. They are not like us. They're not like us Americans. They're like, pennies pretty fucking worthless at this point in the world. So, no more pennies. But still, you'll still find Canadian pennies infiltrating. Just... the One of the tough things about living in a border town... Where am I going with this? There's an episode going on, right? There's something happening in Baywatch Nights. Yeah, so the kid uh, hires them, and they're going to go look for his dad. First order of business for the David Hasselhoff detective agency is to tell the kid and see, okay, where is he going? Because, you know, you got to find out. Things about his story just don't add up. And they follow him to the hotel room that he's staying in. And he uh, worships at a picture of B.B. King. A B.B. King poster. He's like, what would you do, B.B.? So, W.W.B.B.K.D. What would B.B. King do? He would sell out for the money. That That's my song about B.B. King selling out. It's not selling out, it's buying in. You know, he grew up poor, so... Fucking McDonald's wants to throw billions of dollars at him to record a commercial. I say go for it. Eric Clapton wants to do an album with you about how awesome you are. Who gives a fuck at that point in your life? Because it's not like anyone's going to listen to that album. Come on. But, you know, so Hasselhoff and Angie Harmon come in and they're like, Oh, this isn't where you said you lived. Like, oh, no, that's where my aunt lives. I, I never said I live there. And and Jeremy looks at a picture in a frame on the desk. And like, oh, it's a pretty picture. Who is she? Like, oh, that's my mom. Like, oh, funny thing. I have that same picture because it comes with the fucking frame. Which. So... Um, I'm trying to process this right here. Was he, like, so lonely and wanting, like, the illusion of having a family that he, or at least his dad, bought a frame and left the example picture in it to pretend, like, hey, I mean, you know what, to be fair, maybe the kid doesn't know. And his dad's just been telling him that's his mom and she's, like, off, dead, dead or dying somewhere. And the kid's like, okay, because you're my dad, because I've completely, like, blocked out the whole first seven years of my life where, you know, 
my real dad was stealing and got shot in front of me. Because, I mean, the trauma could have, like, caused all that. So maybe he thinks that this fake dad is his real dad. And he never knew that this picture of a mom that he has no other pictures of, you know, he never knew that it was a fake. So maybe the dad was just trying to perpetuate a lie. I don't know. There's too much for me to handle. My brain cannot process this. Either him or his dad bought a frame and kept the picture in it. Why? Why do you buy a frame? Who buys a frame without having a photo in mind for the frame? Isn't that how it works? Don't you like buy frames for the photos you have? Not buy a frame and then be like, well, now I gotta find a... I mean, maybe if it's like a specific, like, you know, if it's like meant for like a cat frame, it's like, oh, you know, this is a really cool looking frame, then I have to find a picture to fit it. But not this. This isn't like some fancy, like, frame that had like an amusing message on it. You know, it's not like a frame that says like, family, sticks together and throw in like 15 pictures of your family. And then you're like, okay, I got to find the pictures to fill up all these slots. No, it's just a regular frame that they kept the picture in. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. You're asking too much of me here, Baywatch Knights. So Hoff and Angie Hartman go down to CPS, Child Protection Services, if you're not up on the lingo. Because they're going to see, like, okay, can we get any information on this kid? Because, you know, his story doesn't add up, so there must be something. And the lady, she's like, oh, yes, we recognize him. We don't recognize the guy. Uh, that's not his dad. See, the little kid, he's an orphan. And he's been through the foster system, and he's a little asshole who keeps running away. She doesn't say asshole, but she, like, makes it clear she does not like the kid. And things like it's just a big trouble. But she still wants to find him. Because, you know, legalities, I guess, probably. Like, you can't just be like, oh, well, you know, fuck this kid. Let him off. Like, nope, we're going to find him. If you know where he is, tell us so we can find him and put him in another foster home. But Hop and Angie Harmon, they're like, no way. You're a fucking bitch. You're a fucking cunt. Okay, she didn't say cunt. Angie Harmon called her a butthead. So, but still, butthead is the TVPG version of cunt. So, yeah, so Beavis and butthead is really Beavis and cunt. I'm, I'm riffing here. I'm riffing. And when I riff, I am quite awful at it. So, you deal with it. So, Garner, uh, he does some investigation, and he sees, like, finds out that the kid's dad and uncle once robbed the bank or something and made a lot of money. Then they disappeared, and the dad was found with bullets in his body, and the uncle got arrested, and just a few days ago, got released from jail. Hmm. Got our number one suspect, don't we? So, the Hesshoff Detective Agency is on the case, and they're like, we gotta find this guy as soon as possible. Meanwhile, the evil uncle, he's in a dark warehouse or something, and he's got the white guy blues guitar surrogate dad, and he's torturing him, 
to find out where little blues boy is he's like i'll never tell you where he is you will just have to kill me and he's like well you know you're no good to me dead but almost dead you're bait so he just beats the shit out of the white guy blues guitarist which i wanted to do for his white guy blues playing i wanted to kick his ass so i'm kind of leaning towards evil uncle here unfortunately i he just got a little bit in the plus column there and so he beats him up and then throws him in an alley ironically not too far from where little blues boy is sleeping underneath a cardboard box so if evil uncle had just looked a little or made some more noise that would have woken up little blues boy evil uncle would have had him right there and then now Hasselhoff guesses correctly that the kid will probably be at the hospital to check on the white blues guy i i don't know how if they had like just feelers out like an apb like well if you know where this guy is like he shows up at the hospital and so like hasselhoff heard about it is that how because they kind of just jumped to like his bad film noir narration that this show like loves he's like we guessed that he would be at the hospital looking after that something or whatever all you need to know is Hasselhoff knew that the kid would be at the hospital and he's there with his guitar because he thinks playing some lame blues lick might bring him out of his coma how many times have we seen that in TV and movies? You just do what the coma person loves, and it'll bring them out of the coma. Doesn't quite help here yet, but, you know, Hasselhoff, you know, he's like, don't worry, we'll protect you. We know you don't know who the, wait, I was about to say you don't know who the fuck we are, but, duh, he hired the Hasselhoff Detective Agency. I already forgot that. Oh, oh boy. Is my face red? Which, if you could see my face, you would see it's red because I forgot about the whole plot line. I forgot what's going on. I don't care. You don't care, right? So, but Hasselhoff says, like, you know, come hang out with us. We'll make sure you're safe. So they go, they uh, barbecue some chicken. Like, mmm, yeah. Because remember, Garner and like a previous episode he worked at the barbecue chicken place so he knows how to barbecue chicken and so now it's nighttime and blues boy is playing some lame ass blues riff which then gets replaced on the soundtrack by a little less lame white boy blues music um that we're supposed to pretend is him i think because you know, listening to music has made everyone start reminiscing about their childhoods and how great it was to have a dad. Like, wow, having a dad was super awesome! Yay! You know, like, Gardner's dad played um, played baseball with him. And Hasselhoff's dad hung out and played frisbee with him. And Angie Harmon's dad hung out with her and took her to the cemetery. Okay. Some families have a different definition of fun. But, well, whatever works for you. And then they all look at the kid and they're like, that was great. How did you get to be so good? And he's like, 
practice. Pudunch. No, well, there was no like drum roll there, but he did say you know practice. But I don't think he meant it as a joke. I think he just seriously meant like he practiced a lot and practice and practice because that's how you get to be that level of mediocre is practice a lot. And so they're talking about like, well, you know, who's your favorite blues musician? B.B. King, of course, because, you know, they he had to answer with whoever agreed to do a guest spot in this episode is my guess. Um, and he's talking about like, did you know that B.B. King named his guitar after a woman? He named her Lucille, which, you know, I mean, anyone who halfway knows anything about like blues music and knows anything about B.B. King, I think that's like the first thing you learn about B.B. King is that he named his guitar Lucille. So, I am I now don't think that uh, the Hasselhoff Detective Agency are fans of the blues, as they claim. They're surprised by this fact. And Garner said, she must have been hell of a woman. Or, she must have been a special woman. And granted, it's been a while since I've heard the story, so I, I could be fucking it up and getting it wrong. But I thought... That it was a woman who almost got him killed. Like, she started a fight with someone else. Or was, like, cheating on someone with BB. And almost got him killed because of it. And he named the guitar Lucille to remind himself to not be a fucking dumbass anymore. I feel like that was the story. Maybe I will look it up. Um, sure, why not? Um, because right now I have a... AI protocol open because I'm test product uh, product testing a AI program. So I'm going to ask it. Why did B.B. King name his guitar Lucille? I don't know if I can tell you what company I'm test product or product testing this for. But I, I am curious. Um... I do not have enough information about that person to help with your request. I am a large language model, and I am able to communicate and generate human-like text in response to a wide range of prompts and questions, but my knowledge about this person is limited. Is there anything else I can do to help you with this request? Um, maybe I need to use capital letters. Why did B.B. King name his guitar Lucille? I, I got it in. No, it still doesn't have any information. This is why AI is not replacing us. AI is stupid. Okay, this isn't chat GB, GPT. This is another program that's in um, development. So I don't know if I can tell you what this program is. But, I mean, because by the time you hear this episode, this might already be out in the world. Uh, but this is, <laughs> this is a pretty shitty AI. So, but I'm just gonna run, have some fun here, uh, cause, cause fuck this episode. I asked it to write me an episode of Baywatch Nights. And so, it didn't actually write a script, it just wrote a synopsis for it, and it's called The Night Stalker. And Baywatch Nights people, oh, am I gonna get in trouble for using this to write an episode? Cause there's a writer's strike going on. Well, I'm not part of the union, and, you know, this is like fan fiction written by an AI. Mitch and Ryan are called to investigate the murder of a young woman who was found dead on the beach. 
The cause of death is a st single stab wound to the heart. There are no witnesses and no leads. The next day, another young woman is found dead in the same way. This time, Mitch and Ryan find a clue. A small piece of paper with the words The Night Stalker written on it. Mitch and Ryan realize that they are dealing with a serial killer. They start to look into the case, and they soon learn that the Night Stalker has been targeting young women who are alone on the beach at night. Mitch and Ryan know they have to stop the Night Stalker before he strikes again. They stake out the beach at night, hoping to catch the killer in the act. After a long night of waiting, Mitch and Ryan finally see the Night Stalker. He is stalking a young woman who is walking along the beach. Mitch and Ryan move in to apprehend him, but the Night Stalker gets away. Mitch and Ryan are determined to catch the Night Stalker. They know he is out there, and they know he will kill again. So, yeah, that is the level of AI writing, at least of this product that I'm product testing. What does this have to do with this episode? I don't know. I just kind of went off on a big tangent. Something BB King, right? It's nighttime, and the evil uncle has found them. And it's just Blues Boy and Angie Harmon. So he's got his gun and tells them, you know, to get ready, but quietly. And Angie Harmon has to put her pants on. So, she was sleeping... She's on the couch right by the boy who, you know, is at the very least on the cusp of adolescence. And she slept without pants? Why can't I be so lucky? I would willingly be kidnapped if I got to sleep near Angie Harmon with no pants on. I'm a simple man. But... Luckily, Angie Harmon manages to activate a homing beacon or some sort. I don't know why they have one. But it's a good thing they have one. Because David Hasselhoff and Gardner, they realize, okay, they're on the move. We'll go after them. And it seems like it's daytime now. I don't know. This show always, like, jumps from day to night so much. And I still think since it's Baywatch Nights, it should take place exclusively at night. But it does not. It randomly goes to the daytime. And Evil Uncle has Angie Harmon and Blues Boy tied up. And they're in like a tunnel that where the water comes by. Not quite a sewer, I don't think. But, you know, if they're left there, they're gonna drown. So... Blues Boy, he's like thinking real back to, okay, there, there was that time where Dad took me on a boat and he told me something about, you know, pay attention to these coordinates. And luckily, you know, all these years later, he still remembers exactly what these coordinates are. And they figure, that is probably where the money is. Because Dad took a briefcase of something underwater with him. And hopefully it was watertight case, you know, because otherwise the money's just going to be wet and just fucking worthless. So I hope Dad really planned this out, and luckily the kid, like, remembers exactly. Because if you were to ask me, like, you know, directions that I was told, like, two weeks ago, or really even two hours ago, I'd be like, um, yeah, I have no fucking clue. So, Evil Uncle takes Blues Boy but he's going to leave Angie Harmon tied up so she can die. Oh, no. But luckily, David Hasselhoff and Garner reach there just in time to save her as the water comes rushing in. I should mention, since I'm watching this on YouTube, and I didn't realize this, um, but YouTube 
like if you hover around like where the bar is of what <laughs> where you're at and I don't know if it does it for every video but it has it for this video most replayed moments and there is one moment on this episode that is super replayed and that was the scene of Angie Harmon putting her pants on I'm glad to know I wasn't the only one who replayed that one a few times so but Angie Hartman luckily remembered where Blues Boy told them that the money was hidden so David Hasselhoff gets on his boat and he drives I don't know what do you do with a boat you drive it pilot it fly it no you don't fly it but whatever he takes his boat and he gets to where Blues Boy is and he's tied up meanwhile Evil Uncle is underneath the water searching for the Moochamook the Moochamook what the fuck is a Moochamook he's searching for the money so David Hasselhoff gets his wetsuit on and goes underwater and he finds just as Evil Uncle has found the money and has opened up the case but oh no cause now there's the fight and David Hasselhoff puts him in a chokehold and unfortunately you know no one got to the money in time so the money's going flying up well not flying swimming up to the top floating up yes I, I would say that it's floating up and it washes up upon the beach where everyone's like oh my god there's money so they run cause who gives a fuck if it's wet money it is still money money will dry out it is still legal tender and Garner and Edge Harmon happen to make it just at the time and they're like well you know what we're gonna get some of this money for ourselves and I guess happily ever after because they have caught Evil Uncle and gotten some money. So over at the White Boy Blues Club, which is owned by Lou Rawls, but I only ever really see like white people playing at it, and mostly white people in the crowd. So it is very much for White Boy Blues. And good news for a Blues Boy! David Hasselhoff and the Hasselhoff Detective Agency have put in a word, and the other white guy blues guitarist he's gonna adopt a little blues boy yay that that is good news and then hey extra good news Lou Rawls heard that blues boy you can play so come up on stage and play for the audience and he plays a little generic riff and the audience is like whoa we don't know blues music and all exciting and then oh my god B.B. King comes on stage to perform with him because he's like, boy, you are such an awesome guitar player. But more importantly, they wrote me a check that cleared. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, personally, if I were running a club and B.B. King was there, I would advertise the fuck out of it so that people would show up to the club. None of this surprise... Maybe Lou Rawls didn't even know B.B. King was there. B.B. King just showed up with his guitar like, Hey, I want to play. I want to play with the little white boy. Oh, that sounds bad. I mean, that that's what Michael Jackson used to say all the time, wasn't it? I want to play with the little white boy. Oh, yeah, I went there. Why did I go there? Anyways, happy ending. Not that kind of happy ending. Oh, my God, this is just... 
this is spiraling out of control. I don't mean to. Uh, that was the end of uh, another episode of Baywatch Nights. And I will continue until I've watched all the episodes. I don't know why. But I love you, VelvetAl at Hotmail.com. Or leave a comment if you're on something that can leave a comment.